0: Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 23 as co-host is a man you know on Twitter is Jeppe DT. Welcome to the show, Jeppe. Hey, Pete. How you going? The news is flying about and we need to be quick on our feet. Jep. what are your initial thoughts right here?
1: Yeah, a lot's happening in a short period of time, my friend. And
0: obviously footy's number two and um, everyone's health and well-being is number one. As Gil said, it's the game, but it's not the main game. We are recording this podcast on 17th of March, late Tuesday night. Obviously, unfolding events in the AFL. Uh, Please adapt as we go through. Hopefully, the season starts on Thursday night. So far, what we know, it is a 17-game fixture. Games will be jammed in within a short space of time to allow for wiggle room for when the AFL likely eventually shuts down. Nets will be reduced, possibly. That is not yet confirmed. There will be no bye weeks. As we stand right now, Jep, the AFL will commence on Thursday night. Let's get on to some questions. In a 17-game season, what are your initial thoughts in a race for first place? Well, my initial thoughts is uh, we've got all of our players that we select on field,
1: that is, the players that matter because we could have players for the full 17 rounds, and that includes mid-prices. So I'm currently considering... um, well, all of the mid-prices I am considering are there for the long haul. So I'm assuming a, a Dan Houston is there for the full 17 rounds and he'll never be upgraded. I'm assuming that, a, um, you know, an Andrew Brayshaw is another example is there for the full 17 rounds. So those mid-prices um, have to have a high ceiling and I think you have to go in with a mindset of having for, having most of them for the full season.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I still think cash generation is is pretty much king, Jep. But I suspect we need to be going, as you just said, with the mindset of those guys that we're going to be picking at a high price. Uh, pretty much, you know, that could be a lock-in for 17 rounds. Let's get on to question two here, Jep. Captain Loopholes could be an issue in a condensed fixture. Your thoughts there? Yeah, they might they might be obsolete. So a, a, a Brody Grundy for
1: the, um, you know, round two Collingwood-Richmond um, Thursday night game as it stands at the moment might um, might not be applicable. So we're, we're in a bit of no man's land there. Um, I, I, look, typically I had considered Grundy for the VC loopholes in most cases, um, but I th- I don't think it should sway your decision. I mean, most of us going to have Grundy anyway, so it's not going to matter. But we don't know how the fixturing is going to be finalised. So. Um, at the moment, it's not a huge concern of mine.
0: Yeah, just, just for me, Jep, it will be have uh, as many captain op- options as possible, rega- yeah, regardless of the opponent. Let's jump on to question three here, Jep. If we start on a condensed fixture, players that are injured for four weeks could miss up to seven games. Your thoughts there, Jep? <laughs> it's it's crazy to think
1: that, isn't it? Um yeah, I suppose picking players with good durability and a history of good durability, but that's there's this is the, the luck of fantasy, isn't it? There's a, a lot of luck involved, and gee whiz, you got to be pretty you got to be pretty unlucky for someone to you know, ping a hamstring or do whatever. Um, in in those circumstances, it's a big penalty. Um, yeah, so I suppose picking durable players is of the utmost import, importance,
0: also. Obviously, we did, do get trades at some periods during the AFL fantasy week, but as it was mentioned to me on Twitter today, is that uh, out for four weeks could actually mean no games missed as well.
1: Yeah, and well, there's the upside, um, and Toronto is probably one that could potentially, you know, miss only two games of the season hypothetically. We, we yeah. again, we don't know. Um, we 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 after we're after some clarity, but it sounds like the AFL are just going to move as fast as they can go. And I I can't see them looking, you know, a month ahead of of the schedule at any one time um, until, you know, things start to come back to as normal as
0: possible. On to the next question, Jep. Would you consider spreading the load in your team throughout your 30-player squad? What I mean there is, like, do you keep it at a max two players per team?
1: Ah, right. Yeah, that's a good call, isn't it? Um, I haven't thought about that one until until you've just prompted that to me now. I suppose that is a wise plan, isn't it? Um, if if we're going to have top-up players for each club, um, you know, there could be some scheduled rest, especially with a highly condensed fixture, which it sounds likely, then, again... Um, I just think clubs won't want their good players missing too much. I, don't, I think this is a one game sort of rest at, at particular points, depending on load management for individuals. So, yeah, you're right. I think, you know, picking one Bulldogs, you should really pick one out of McCray or Dunkley because they might have different scheduled rests during the season. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, there's so many hypotheticals, isn't it, mate? It's like, and that again, like, I think we need to consider that. I think the lower it's lower risk um, to to spread the spread the team and spread the selection throughout all the teams.
0: The other issue there, Jeff, is that lockout may be an issue with an end of round not necessarily finishing equal with team games played, i.e., if they're going to play three games in one single day round two could finish on a tuesday afternoon and round three could begin on a tuesday night so we're not going to get the opportunity to have a lockout during that time i suspect so it's just one of those things some players and some teams could have two games within a week and therefore you know some players could have you know one game per week but the one thing there is we actually don't know yet no, we
1: don't, but uh, and this is where I think a rolling lockout will make sense this season, um, given the short turnaround times of, it, of each round and, yeah, potentially two games in a round. Now, um, in the NBL fantasy, um, that is accustomed to, and you obviously plan your team around fixturing, um, and we just can't do that until we see a fixture.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you expect if game minutes are reduced?
1: Okay, so again, the best players will be playing as long as possible. We've got um, AFL players that can play 80% of game time currently. So I think that affects the rookies. I think that affects the younger players. Mm -hmm. I don't think um, the younger, and again, rookie price players for fantasy will get as much game time. So what I take out of that, and this is very important for the listeners, is to limit the number of rookies you have on your field at absolutely all costs.
0: For me, Jeb, I'm thinking the other end of the player salaries is the higher-priced players. Obviously, with reduced minutes, scoring is going to be reduced. The issue there is the break-evens and what salary adjustments there will be. I'm aware that the break-evens are a formula which takes into consideration the overall points for a round of football. But if you consider what the scores that you see in halftime when you log into the AFL Fantasy app, is that those scores are condensed. And obviously games aren't going to be played for half a football. But what I am expecting is scores to be a lot more condensed. So for me, for players that are highly priced, if, if they, their scores at an average are located in that condensed sort of, you know, you throw a blanket over 10 players and they're all on 80 to 90 points, you know, and they're a high-priced player, those those salaries are going to take a significant hit. So for me, it would be game minutes, high-priced players. I'm I'm not liking them one little bit.
1: Yeah, I see your point. But again, like we talk about the magic number, does Mm. that change in the calculations? So Mm. although a player like Whitfield averaged 113 last season, is there a pro-rata calculation that, um, although he'll probably say average 90 this season on reduced minutes, hypothetically, is his ratio of of, um, lost um, price um, correlated to the minutes per game or or something like that? So, uh, yeah, I would have thought that the calculation would be pro-rata to the minutes per game.
0: So for me also... Is the players that I would like to target, taking into consider- consideration what I think is going to happen to high price salaries. But at the other end of the scale there for me, which is going to mix in and have an opposing thought to what I just said, is that I want players in my team that have a high ceiling. So that's players that, yeah, you know, one, yeah, one, yeah, yeah. one, one week you go 60 or one game now, you go 60 and the next game you go bang 150. So that brings mm. in to players like Patrick Cripps, you know, who can hit a massive ceiling Correct, uh, but the average is actually quite lower. So it's for me right now. It is targeting targeting players, and we're almost heading into us like a DFS scenario where we need to, you know, our focus is minimized to a one round in DFS. You know, we go we're reducing reducing rounds to seventeen. We need to start to target high ceiling players. Jeff.
1: Yeah. No, I see your point. I I completely agree with you. And um, yeah, it's. Um, it also applies to someone like Petrarca. I've been thinking about Petrarca a bit more now because of his higher ceiling mm, that yep. we saw in the pre-season. Um, it's not necessarily just the primos.
0: Jep, we're going to have no buys. Does this change your ruck strategy? Well, it does, but at the same time, I'm trying to still... There's, there's
1: value still in the rucks, and I don't, my attitude hasn't changed. But I think no buys just makes everything a little bit simpler. Um in a, in a difficult sort of season as it is, so um, it it um, like the Gorn Grundy setup is still unlikely for me. Um, if this if this season was normalised and there were no buyers, then sure, or you know, Melbourne or Collingwood had different buy rounds, I would still consider the Grundy Gorn setup. But um, yeah, no buyers doesn't change my ruck strategy purely because there's just so much value in the ruck line.
0: So just thinking about Naismith now, we've actually have a, had a pretty good couple of conversations about Naismith and where I see him compared to where you see him. Does this now change your thinking to be more pro Naismith at round one?
1: No, it's, it, it makes me go against Naismith. Okay. So I don't believe Naismith has a ceiling, um, even worthy at his price. So to be totally honest to the to the listeners, I'm picking... You know, 90% or 80% of my team are players that can reach three-figure scores. And for that reason, I'm picking Sam Jacobs as my R2.
0: Good stuff. At this stage for my Ruck strategy, at the moment, I have Grundy. And I will stick with Grundy. I am undecided where I am going to head. Obviously, we're going to get a confirmation from the AFL what is happening tomorrow. And that will change my strategy. Jeff, less game scoring in reduced minutes equals less scoring opportunities for key forwards and less centre bounces. Your thoughts there? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's um, they're going to be at low scoring games, and
1: like I said, the the, the pivotal players and the key players are, are still going to have um, a majority of um, scoring potential. I think that is the correct term we should use. So. You know the likes of Cornelio, McRae, their scoring potential, even in reduced minutes and reduced centre bounces, and and the like is is still of the highest of um, the highest potential. And then, yeah, key forwards with lower scores. And I typically don't pick you know key position forwards or um, you know prolific um, goal kicking forwards anyway. So yeah, I think we just I think the attitude is. To, to pick those important players um, across each team.
0: Chip, you know, the one thing with key forwards is that we are concerned over a period of a home-and-away season, their scoring is quite volatile. We're going to remove five games from the season, going to 17 games. For me, that starts to narrow in the focus a little bit more on these quick key forwards, but then an opposing thought is they're going to be less scoring.
1: Yeah, I, I just don't see... Their, their volatile scoring changing, mate. Oh, oh. Like, take Josh Kennedy from my beloved Eagles. You know, he could blow up six goals one week and kick one the next and, and have a bit of a yo-yo scoring round. I don't think that changes given the reduced um, settling game season.
0: For me, with the key forwards, I would still look at ceiling players. I understand midfielders are still the key to fantasy. Oh, game. I see what you're saying. So, so okay, yeah, Yeah, so I want to go still on ceiling players. Uh, there are a couple out there that I'm targeting that I actually might start with at round one
1: Right, so yours so for example um, last year's winner a Cameron versus a gold just Je, a, a Cameron versus a gold yeah, coast yeah, 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 okay, so the, just for the ceiling. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you now Okay, yeah, just that. and then and then trading as a strategy within that.
0: Yeah, potentially um, Yeah, I right. Think, obviously, we don't know the future beyond four weeks and we get once we get the fixture, which could be well and truly after we start round one, is it to start to focus in on you know teams that are conceding high points for key forwards, and you know the one thing I'll be looking at is at the back end of this the 17 game season. You know if you have got a a team like, like a West Coast with Josh Kennedy, not that I would probably tar- target Kennedy early in the season, but in the last four weeks you might want to sort of target him if he's having a a healthier season to finish off your season. And obviously, yeah, we referred to last year's winner, uh, Craig with who traded in Jeremy Cameron at round twenty three and obviously his score was uh, quite high to win him overall title. Jeb, are rookies still to go or we look at a more balanced team? I know we discussed this prior to, but your specifics right here.
1: Yeah, so I again with the limited minutes, I think, you know, players are fit enough now to, to still play um, what is it, 80 minutes in 100, typically. Um, so I think the, the reduced minutes affects the rookies, and for that reason, I'm absolutely, priority is limiting um, the number of rookies on my field. And to give a gauge on that for the listeners, I've currently got five rookie price players on my field.
0: Yeah, for me, it's about starting with Grundy and then working down from there. Uh, I will start with Matthew Rouse still, his price is too good to ignore and obviously a couple of midfielders that I have had previously in my team will likely get the chop to balance out my team there so it'll be pretty much for me trimming out a couple of midfielders and going underneath a little bit into a more value range and to get rid of those rookies or non-playing players up to a mid-pricer Jeff, are you likely to give up bench cover with non-playing rookies? Uh, So it must be a tough question. There's pause there.
1: Yeah. um, I suppose I'll be picking rooks that that I think will come in down the line, and I think a good one is Ned McHenry um, in your midfield line, or Justin McInerney from the Swans, Riley Collier, Dawkins. If any of those three players aren't named round one, Given their price of 170k, um, yeah, I, I probably will, mate. I, um, I, like I said, my goal at the moment and my initial thought process is limit your rookies on field at all costs. So, um,
0: yeah, I suppose I will be. Yeah, potentially for me as well. I think defence there might be a one non-starting player on my bench. Uh, forwards, I think we should have pretty much good cover. Yeah, uh, I, and- I agree and in the midfield, obviously we've got the new utility position there as well, but I might you try and use that for a, which is another sort of topic here. I might start a utility DPP player uh, in that spot there to provide bench cover if possible.
1: Yeah, I, I mean that utility uh, is extra cover. So, you, you know, if we're gonna use it, say for a mid forward, let's use Connor uh, buterick as an example. Um, if he's a utility, you can feel safer throwing away your M8 position to, a, to Ned McHenry, who could come in, you know, round three or four.
0: Yeah, for me, that utility player with DBP needs to be playing, so I wouldn't be throwing Yeah, Yeah, any... oh,
1: for sure. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. So the utility player has to play, but then if they have mid status, you could throw away the M8 spot, or if they had defender status, you could throw away the D6. uh Sorry. Sorry. You could throw away the M10 spot, and if they had defender status, you could throw away the D8 spot if you get what I'm getting at.
0: Yeah, yep. So for me also, I know we've talked about, and we've, well, you've talked about starting Hayden Young on your bench if he doesn't get named round one. This might be a good opportunity to, to discuss this a little bit further. That that will be one player that I'm potentially going to be starting on the bench as non playing. And lock I, I know we've talked about Harry Schoberg over the preseason, but that that's like another type of player that I, I might start as an M10 that I suspect is going to get games pretty quickly. And when you when you take into account the team's going to turn over their squads really quickly and don't forget these guys these these teams aren't playing in state leagues now so i suspect that the afl coaches will want to get minutes into these players so for guys like a harry schoenberg who are on the outside probably looking in at round one that you know they might come in at round two round three and it might be like a like a european soccer team taking care of a midweek euro championship league game where they start to use their depth in their squad your thoughts there, Jeff? Yeah,
1: I don't mind the strategy, but I don't like it in the sense that you're spending up big on the bench and you're not utilising that on your field Mm -hmm. for your starting 22. So, like again, if you're having 240 odd or 50 odd grand on the bench in um, Hayden Young, I'd much rather spend that extra cash on
0: field to limit the rookie players. For me, on on field, that is. For me, those players that I'll be selecting as a potentially non-starter at round one. They'll need to be scorers.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. But say Hayden Young comes in for his first game at round three, and given the limited minutes, he, he only plays, you know, 40% of game time. Um, it's not – you're not gaining too much by having him there um, on the bench and, then, and hoping he comes straight in to play a big role.
0: Mm-hmm would you consider maximising scores over value heading into round one? Oh, absolutely. It's all about
1: now about maximising scores. We, um, you know, have a 17 game, a reduction of five games in, in this season um, changes everything and changes strategy. So, yeah, I am maximising scores. So I'm looking at, you know, the fixture as it stands. I, I haven't looked past the first five rounds, but... You know, an easier fixture. So, for example, Jack McRae is not going to get tagged against Collingwood likely, um, as per previous seasons. So he becomes um, more a more value pick or a more sensible pick for his high ceiling. And he's hoping he can hit a big three-figure score against the Pies. Um, you know, Tom Mitchell still has value as as a primo, and that's self-explanatory there. Um, and hopefully he can produce some big things um but you know it's it sort of varies as you know i've looked at canelio as well um given his high ceiling is quite cheap for a primo player
0: jepp would you also not consider starting high price players so so this is not only the high price midfielders this is grundy and gorn
1: yeah, yeah. and, and a week, i put whitfield in this bracket as well so a Whitfield and versus
0: Andalloyd. And yeah,
1: well. yeah. So a Whitfield versus a Devon Smith. Um, yeah, but I wish we could understand, and we're not. But I wish we could understand how the pricing adjustments would work. Um, if it's not pro rata on the minutes played, then it's obvious to um, to limit those high-priced players. Um, but if it is prorated on the minutes plays and their cost adjustments is on that, then then there's still merit in picking the higher price players, isn't there?
0: Yeah, just for me, uh, as I mentioned in the previous part of the podcast, I'll be chopping off a couple of high price midfielders that are in my team. I'll be reducing them down to a value type midfielder and balancing out my team that way. So, for me, it will be absolutely... um, I am considering not starting high-priced players. Jep, obviously, we've got a big announcement from the AFL tomorrow. Hopefully, we get started on Thursday night. Your final thoughts there on the season and hopefully what we can look forward to being a great fantasy season, albeit on a 17-game fixture, which is highly likely at this stage and pretty much a downtime throughout the year.
1: Well, look, yeah, these circumstances are unique to all of us. Um, I think we're all rolling with the punches and we're all on the same playing field um let's hope a season does you know come to to fruition and um and all that it's there's a lot you know player health and safety is still key and um look we we all want afl to go ahead including the players but let yeah let's just you know pray to the fantasy gods whoever we're going to pray to and um and then work in the uniqueness of of this season of whatever transpires. Um, And, you know, it's it's different strategies again, and it's the normality of what we've just discussed about value picks and not picking, um, you know, super expensive primos and and all the like. These are different strategies by different coaches, and I I hate vanilla teams. And, you know, over the last few years, we probably had a lot of vanilla teams. I think this year we're not which is great for the competition and great for strategy and you know, the strategies we all pick are, you know, are, are um well they're keeping me up at night anyway. So, um it's 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 great. It's I I'd, it's different, um, from a fantasy sense, but then obviously it's catastrophic for for um, you know, AFL lovers and and society and what's going on in the world. Um we just want everyone
0: keep safe and and be healthy and look after each other and be sensible. Hear, hear. Before I close this podcast, it is hat time, Jep. So what I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to actually personally message from my Twitter account to those who have scored a plus six podcast cap. And Jep, yes, you do get a hat. So (laughs) congratulations so we'll get them made up in the next few weeks obviously if I can actually go outside and do something uh, as quickly as possible but yeah they might be on a little bit of a delay now obviously due to circumstances but they're definitely coming we're going to keep the giveaways hopefully with the AFL season continuing at some stage throughout the year we're going to start to give away some shirts towards the end of the year so stay tuned Jeppa and I have got big plans for this podcast going forward and hopefully we can bring to you a great 2020 season albeit an interrupted one at this stage jeb on that note we'll wrap up this podcast thanks for tuning in and everyone stay healthy
1: thanks everyone stay well